even the death penalty was not enough for me. I I, I hope that um, justice appears in any way at some point. So many of the parents of the victims at Stoneman Douglas have become familiar voices, faces to uh, to many of us. Manuel Oliver there. I mentioned at the conclusion of yesterday's show, it was really difficult for me to watch the reaction to to the parents in that that courtroom as they realized that the jury was recommending life instead of the death penalty for Cruz. Really difficult. And and the kind of the slow playing out for each victim over the course of about an hour. And there hadn't been a consensus on, on certain issues among the parents with some of the reforms. There was around the Stoneman Douglas School Safety Act originally that was passed. But since then, you'll find some differences. Not so much, though, on this. Consensus. You even heard some of the parents yesterday say, hey, you know, I, I wasn't in favor of the death penalty before this, but this changes you. So what about all this? Joining us, somebody who knows a thing or two, South Florida, criminal defense attorney, Mark Iglarsh. Speak to Mark.com, his website. Getting ready to represent Scott Peterson as well, and that will that'll be something on the heels of all this. Mark, what do you make of the jury's decision here? I was shocked. I'm still devastated for the families. Um, this was a very reasonable request that they made. It's one that I would have gave them if I was on the jury. Um, so I don't think anybody could have predicted this. That said, it wasn't just one. There were three jurors, yeah. and it only, ta- it only takes one. So there were three jurors who felt that the reasons against the death penalty outweighed the reasons for the death penalty. Mark, I expected the, the death penalty to be the decision. That said, mm-hmm. I held out in the back of my head, hey, this is Broward specifically. Mm-hmm. And look, politics, it, it plays a role in often one's predis- predisposition on, on certain things. And so I did hold in my head, hey, you, you got a lot of people that are probably opposed to the death penalty that would statistically be a member of this jury. Therefore, but to your point, for it to be multiple jurors, that was the biggest surprise to me. Do you think some of the parents alleged, hey, you know, maybe there was perjury that took place here. Maybe these jurors said they could be objective. They really were not honest arbiters. What do you make of that? Okay. First of all, nobody, only the only ones who know are the actual jurors themselves. So nobody knows what's in their hearts, what's in their minds, right? That said, I think it's constitutionally protected for anyone to say that they think maybe the way that the jurors conducted themselves was problematic. Okay, they could say that. I can say that there is zero evidence whatsoever that these three jurors somehow didn't go in there and uphold their oath and follow the law. They just felt differently. I'm not defending their conclusions. I'm defending the process that got them there. These jurors, assuming they truly believed in the right scenario in imposing the death penalty, they just felt this wasn't it. And three of them, not just one. So you really can't fault 
jurors unless they truly didn't follow the law, unless they were stealth jurors who went in there and had an agenda and said, under no circumstances would I ever um, go for the death penalty, uh, but then told everybody, the judge and everybody, no, I, I could. And there's no evidence of that. That is pure speculation. And to those three jurors who voted for life, assuming they did it by following their heart, their minds, the evidence, their conscience, they don't deserve that scorn. They don't. That's unfair. They gave months of their life to this. And if that's truly how they felt and they, they follow the law, um, then you just have to respect it and just strongly disagree with how they look at things. That's all. From a, a psychographic perspective, because I know a lot about jury selection gets down to this. We had this conversation on the front end during the jury selection process. I mentioned to you, hey, I'm Catholic, and the church's stance on capital punishment has kind of you know, colored my view. It, it's changed over the years in part because of that. I mentioned in my takeaways just a bit ago, that said, regardless of what my personal position is, the will of the parents would have would have been paramount. If I were on that jury, I would have ruled for the will of the parents under the law, which would have been the, the death penalty. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a way that perhaps in the jury selection process, these three jurors could have been figured out better by the prosecution? Probably not. Um, you know, I've tried over 150 jury trials, and I don't know any of the jurors that I've ever had on my jury, even after jury selection. We can pretend that we know them. We ask questions that probe the jurors, but their answers are their own. They're the only ones who know whether they're being intellectually honest. So you never really know what they're feeling. There's a name for that, stealth jurors. If there are those who have an agenda, um, but then hold back how they feel, you're always going to have that. So this is an imperfect science. But in this case, I'm comforted in knowing that there were three. It wasn't just one. Imagine if there was just one lone juror who maybe had an agenda, but there were three. And so it's less likely that this was anything other than three jurors who felt in their heart that the reasons against death were more significant than four. That's it. Mark, to a parent who spoke out yesterday, it it does. It it really does. Um, Every parent that spoke out was asked a question about, how they felt the state handled this case and to a person they felt the state did everything they could have in your expert perspective did the state argue everything they could have yes i don't fault either side and i've been in many trials where you do everything you can but it comes down to jury selection and i think that these three people who vote in favor of life while they might have been open to the death penalty, they were probably, again, there's a range, right? There's a range. If, if, if one is, I will never give it, and 10 is, I will give it if the, the state asks for it, no matter what, you know, these people might have been closer to one, where maybe they were like two or three. And the circumstances for them, you know, because of the mental illness, because of the fetal alcohol syndrome, that was enough to say, mm, this is not that circumstance. Absent that type of evidence, maybe we'd give it. Um, and so the, I think they were just on the lower end of the spectrum, meaning, you know, less likely to give death, but willing to consider it. And that means they followed their oath, but, you, you know, they, they just didn't know that that's what was in their hearts and minds when, when they were selected. And I don't think anybody could have done anything differently. Mark, I, I don't imagine you become a criminal defense attorney because you're wanting to be the most popular person in society. That said... Right. You are getting ready to be a, a public enemy of sorts to these families. It's clear some of them were asked yeah. about Peterson. 
they they have very strong thoughts about him. I know you have very strong thoughts about your defense of him. Are you? Right. I, I imagine you're ready for this, but you know it's coming. I'm not ready. And and if you're asking me personally, yeah, I was I was nauseous when I was watching that press conference because number one, I love every single parent, everyone who's lost a child, everyone whose child was harmed, everyone who whose lives were affected because all of our lives were affected. We all were. So we're all victims to some extent, some to a to larger extent than others. I feel for everyone, but my belief that he did not commit any criminal acts that day doesn't mean that I don't have love and compassion for what occurred. And I think that what they resented was the defense lawyer uh, in particular didn't kind of acknowledge, didn't, um, show any love or respect or anything like that. I, I'm just the opposite. I'm looking at this Peterson trial as a way, first of all, to commemorate what was lost, to indicate how this was such an abhorrent tragedy. But you do not do justice for the victims by doing an injustice against Scott Peterson. And that's exactly what's happening here based upon what I know about the evidence. Now, they don't know the evidence. They know what the media has told them. And I used to feel that way before I knew what the evidence was. So I, 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 I have nothing but love and respect. And I, I hope that they understand and respect my job if they want to see Scott Peterson in prison, which is not going to happen. But it needs to happen with an attorney by his side. So I'm performing an important function, um, you know, for them if they want to look at it that way. And, and it's just not going to happen because he did not commit any crimes that day. Mark Iglarge, speak to Mark.com, his website. Mark, always appreciated. Best wishes. My pleasure. Thank you, my friend. All right, you got it. Natalie, trending story and Amendment 2. I'm going to cover it and give you my recommendation next here in the Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610, WYOD.